everybody. It's the Madison Story Slam podcast. I am your host, Adam Rosted. Today, my guest is Brendan from Madison Storytellers. We are not the only storytelling game in town. Uh, there are quite a few, and Brendan is part of that one. Uh, we're going to talk about stories today, and uh, Madison, as always. Hey, just so you know, our next event is March 21st, and uh, that is at the Wilmar Center. That's Saturday, March 21st. Our theme is Childhood Memories. We have a new sponsor. Uh, Carbon 4 Brewing Company has generously donated uh, some beer uh, that you can come and have at no cost. We do encourage a donation uh, to help cover our costs. Anyway, here's me and Brendan. We're going to be talking about storytelling. Here we go. And, uh, but then the, I thought of the Wilmar, and it, it, it was just such a perfect venue uh-huh. for it. Yeah. And the fact that the upstairs has a stage, like I know that kind of scares some people, mm-hmm. the, the fact that there's a stage, but I don't know. I think it'll be good. So Yeah, yeah. The stage is nice to, I don't know, cr- create some focus. Yeah, totally. So we're started. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Madison Storyland Podcast. Thanks for being on it. Yeah. Uh, it's Brendan. Is it Pank or Panky? Panky. Panky. I wasn't yeah. quite sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell us, uh, tell us why I want you on this podcast. What are you a part of? Uh, I am one of the co-coordinators for Madison Storytellers. So that's uh, another one of the um, the storytelling groups in town. And uh, um, yeah. We ha- we have a, a a slightly different format, but we're we're here for the same reasons, yeah. which is just to give a, people a chance to tell really good stories in front of an audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long has Madison Storytellers? Because I, I, when I started at, um, so I didn't start Madison Story Slam. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I started Madison Story Slam, but when I started hosting the Story Slam at JPH, yeah, somebody else had been doing that for a few years, and I used to when I took it over in. Uh, September of 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. I used to say we're the only event like this in town because yeah, I didn't yeah. know about anybody else. Sure. And then when that article came out this past year that that um, highlighted a bunch of us, uh-huh. I was like, oh, <laughs> there are other things like yeah. this in town. I had no idea. So sure. how long has Madison Storytellers been around? Um, uh, I think we're going on three years now. Yeah. So I am not. I didn't start Madison Storytellers either. Yeah. I'm like third generation now. Sure. So uh, Madison Storytellers was started by uh, a couple of grad students, Anna and Kevin, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, they both started grad school at the same time. Uh, they, uh, like a lot of grad school programs, they had like a field trip around Wisconsin to be like, oh, this is Wisconsin. You're sure. going to do grad school here. And during that field trip, they told uh, each other a lot of stories hmm. and uh, cemented a, a friendship that way. And then they got back. Uh, to Madison and in the weeks following they were like you know what that was really cool we should try to do that at a at a bigger level like yeah. organize something yeah so they started organizing them at um Hypatia Co-op um hmm. right on North Pinckney it's okay like that yeah. uh, period park right there yep. and then it's just north of there and uh that the first one I ever went to was there and that was a I've been or I've been co-coordinating for a little over a year, and so then from Kevin and Anna, it went to Kevin and Erica and Allison, and then Kevin had to leave. He's in uh, Uganda now, hmm. and so um, 
uh, I sort of invited myself to, to <laughs> we were organizing an event with the library and they had asked me to host. And so we were coming up with the theme and stuff and it was a really good time. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? I could do this every month. Yeah. And they were like, Oh really? Well, we were going to ask you to. <laughs> so, um, and so now it's Allison and I, because Erica is doing, um, postdoc stuff sure. and so is super busy. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of, has gone through and through some changes it, it was a smaller uh real intimate event uh anna told a story for us about kind of like the genesis mm-hmm. and she said in there uh, it's, it's great she said um she imagined it like a bunch of people sitting around in a small circle in a candlelit room yeah. sharing their first sexual experience oh, okay. and, oh, good. it's different it's different yeah, yeah. but uh but that's like a thing i guess so that story group still needs to be started so somebody else can start that one there you go yeah yeah we uh before i was hosting uh, any story slam or any storytelling event we they did a, a theme that was um like grosser than gross uh-huh. at jph it was uh, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, I I, I have um, deliberately stayed away from um, anything sexual, inherently sure. sexual, as far as our themes go. Yeah, just because we technically call ourselves a family event. I mm-hmm. any time that. Um, a family shows up with young children. I, yeah. I go up to them. I say, you are more than welcome to be here, uh-huh. but just know there's going to be adult themes and adult language yeah. here. Sure. So if, if you're fine with that with your kids, awesome, but you know, fair warning. So, yeah, yeah, we get some, we get some families and kids through there. There's usually one family in, in the group, especially when we do it here at Arboretum co-housing. Yeah. Um, we had we actually had a girl that was probably like eleven or to thirteen years old. Sorry if you're older. <laughs> she told the story at one of our events at the um, uh, at the library. Oh, it was really cool. Yeah. To, like her dad had gone right before her, and then you just kind of saw, saw her like pump herself up and yep. get up and tell this uh, cute little story uh, when they're like in a middle school classroom or something sure. where a guy was just being a jerk and she got up to confront him like this is wrong isn't that you just know? like middle school guys right? yeah and uh we, i was definitely a jerk and yeah. i was like a nice <laughs> middle school guy yeah and uh and then she just like w- was so angry she was just babbling at him <laughs> and she's and she's like even my friend told me that i didn't make any sense yeah. and then she had to s- sit down ashamed which is like the number one middle school feeling, <laughs> feeling right yeah. shame yep absolutely yeah we we actually so when i started going to madison storytellers just as uh, to tell stories and listen uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to them about was organizing an event. Yeah. And it was based on my friend Ben Taylor's. Uh, he had this blog and he had a series on the blog called The Most Heinous. Hmm. And it was like the most heinous thing I ever tasted or heard of sure. the five yeah. senses. So I wanted to make that into a, a storytelling thing, which is like that grosser than gross. Yeah. And so we did that at the um, Atlas Improv Theater. And uh, it was fun. It was gross, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you guys, I have never actually stopped a story, but there, I have been on the verge of being like, okay, we, we gotta move on. Like, uh, for content or time? Uh, uh, time, I I have stopped stories as Uh far as time goes. I, I, I I don't go, okay, it's time, we're done. I'll very gently say, um, 
we we got to wrap up. We got uh-huh. about thirty seconds left. Yeah, because we got to keep. We've got six more stories to right. go. Um, but as far as like content, there has definitely been times where I've almost been like, okay, like we we just can't. Uh, yeah, I think there's maybe been. Um, I don't know if there's ever been like a story overall. Sure, but there's maybe been a line. Um, where I was like, whoa. And then I just want, uh, I, I always just make myself sit down and, and see what happens on the other side sure. of it. I guess, uh, and I have experience. I used to be a, uh, a, a member of and the owner of uh, Atlas Improv. Yeah. Uh, so that's a comedy improv or improv troupe. Uh, mostly it's funny, though. And, and so uh, with a, everybody up there making everything up on the top of their heads, uh, a lot of times you might get into uncomfortable territory totally. pretty often. So yeah. I, have, I have like a lot of experience with it. And I think a lot of times it's easier just to like get over that hump and then and then move the show in another way rather than like drawing more attention to it yeah. by um uh by by stopping it or being like whoa let's none of that now it's definitely a weird uh it's a definitely a weird thing to be like in charge of something mm. like this because we're all adults at it, you know. Mm-hmm. I know at ours, we've only had two kids ever share stories. Mm-hmm. So to, for me to say, like, I'm in charge of this, like, I'm not in charge of you. Like, get up there and say whatever you want. Yeah. But at a certain point, I do have to be like, okay, well, I'm actually going to take the micro- microphone away from you now. Sure. I actually, I when, for one of the, um, I think maybe for that article where we were interviewed for it, yeah, I was talking to the uh, reporter, and she was like, "Well, what happens if you ever have somebody like reveal that they committed a crime yeah. right like what yeah. if somebody came and told a story about committing a murder that yeah. they got away with?" I would let that person finish. Yeah, I mean, I'd let them finish too. But then, what's your obligation beyond that, right? Like, well, I think as a uh, as a organizer of an event, mm-hmm. nothing. Sure. As a human being, probably something. Yeah. Uh, as a moral human yeah. being, right? I feel like you would have to at least pick up the phone. Yeah, be the anonymous tipster. Well, you you don't like right? We record them all, so we yeah. could uh, make a fake email account. Yeah. <laughs> And just send it to the police. That's right. So, uh, Do you guys make people sign waivers? No. No. Uh, we figure that uh, we tell them at the beginning of the show yeah. and we say, um, if you don't want to be recorded, don't, don't uh, just tell us and we won't, re- and I won't put it up on the internet. Yeah. And uh, uh, the other thing, if somebody told like a really heavy story, I usually ask them if they're sure that they, I send it to them. Yeah. And, uh, and then I ask them if they're sure. Yeah. And pretty much every single time they have said, uh, oh, that, that was better than I thought it was. Yeah. And, uh, and then they've been excited to have it put up on the That's good. Yeah. When we first started looking into doing the podcast and, and recording our events, mm-hmm. I was talking to a few other Story Slam podcast people yeah. from all over the country. And they all said you need to have them sign a waiver because, yes, even though they're consent, like obviously getting on the microphone right. and they're consenting to be on the mic and they know you're recording six months down the road, if they get upset and decide to sue you, mm-hmm. you've got a piece of paper that says, 
yeah. you okayed it. And then the other thing is, is in our waiver, we always, it has, um, it, it takes any liability away from us if they reveal anything they're not supposed to reveal about somebody else, like their company sure, or something. So sure. their company can't come after us mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but so like, I, I always feel really safe. We've, we've only had maybe one or two people say, I don't want to be on, mm-hmm. um, one, the best story we've ever had wasn't able to be on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, cause it had to do with, um, a, an adoption and, sure. and she said the child's name mm-hmm. in, in the, in the stories. She's like, so I, I just can't have it recorded and put on there. Yeah. I was like, oh darn it. It's the best one. Shoot. Like, uh, do you guys, do you guys, um, mainly stay towards funny stories is that is that uh the crowd you get um i mean yeah yeah definitely i think most people if they're telling a story it's a funny story right even not in front of a microphone totally uh but we've had some really great uh stories we recently had a woman tell a story about um her experience, she had just uh, had a child and he had a problem where physically it was painful for him to eat. Yeah, I was there for that story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that story was great. And we've had, um, the, at the last event, we actually had two in a row. Yeah. Uh, a guy t- told, first time storyteller, and he did a fantastic job. And he told a story about... Um, I'm going to pause right there one second because a first time storyteller, that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe a first time on a microphone. Yeah, that's first time with us and in front of a group. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So we get that a lot. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll get back to that. Yeah. But we get that a lot, I know, for us where people are like, well, I've never told a story before. Mm And I imagine you guys get that too from people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you have told stories to friends. And, and I know since I've been to your events and I know about my event, everybody there is a friend. Nobody yeah. comes there to uh, throw daggers or nobody's sitting there waiting. Okay, I cannot yeah. wait for this story to bomb because then I'm going to boo and blow. You know, mm-hmm. I, we have never had a story received poorly. They, people clap, they right. laugh, even if it's an, like, uh, even if it's a forced laugh, like they do uh-huh. it in a way that's yeah. encouraging. So it's just funny to me whenever we get people in, they're like, oh, I've, I've never told a story before. Yeah. I think it's a big deal though, to get up on stage. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, uh, so I read into that, like, Oh, I've never done it on stage. Yeah. Right. It's and, definitely getting up with the microphone, getting on stage. It's like, take off all your clothes. This is mm-hmm. who I am. Yeah. Uh, and I, I see, I, I've been on a stage my whole life. My, mm-hmm. my dad was a pastor, so sure. like it was pretty common for me to go on stage with mm-hmm. him. And uh, so I just I've never felt that. So it's hard for me to put that put myself in that kind of shoe. Sure. But uh, but I, I try to understand it. Yeah, uh, I only feel that way if I have something I've memorized that I'm trying to. Yeah. Do. If I've got like if I'm just rolling, uh, <laughs> I have no problem and I'm supremely confident. Totally. Uh, but if I have to, if I have to remember line for line something, then I have a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, I normally get up at the beginning and, uh, the way I have described my role at story slam is, um, I'm there to warm up the crowd at the mm-hmm. beginning, get people laughing or whatever, prepare yeah. them for what they're going to hear. And then uh, in between stories, I kind of poke. It, it's really common for me to poke fun at the last storyteller. Sure, not in a mean spirited way, just uh, one last laugh, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have described myself just as the crowd warm up guy. Sure, but I usually always get up there and tell a story, kind of off the cuff. Like I haven't really put much thought into mm-hmm. it, but I know the theme is whatever, so I'll just tell this. Yeah. Our next one is childhood memories, and um, 
not that I don't have any good childhood memories. I just, nothing stands out. So I decided to approach it more like stand up this time. Mm -hmm. And I am there because like what you were just talking about having to remember something line for line. I don't have to remember it line for line, but I did write something out that I want to say. Sure. And I've never been so nervous. Like we're a week away and it's like, ah, it's a totally different skill. Like getting up there and telling jokes, uh, just because, well, I mean, there's little parts of that in your story because you know yeah. uh, it's like timing is important for mm-hmm. things, but uh, jokes are that distilled. You don't have any time to make up f- for a flub, yeah. right? Really, if yeah. you're just up there. Uh, I did. I did the open mic at the comedy club on state for a little while. And, sure. Uh, yeah, that was way harder. <laughs> uh, for me, I uh, just a different skill set. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah. It's What's hard about that is like uh, with stories, I've always found that um, I can get somebody to laugh with a story, mm-hmm. like because you're you you've got more time to read the audience with a story. Sure. With jokes, you might think it's really funny. Yeah. And so you set it up and you throw that ball to knock the bottles down, uh-huh. but it just it just goes flat. And to you, it's hilarious, but yeah. everybody else, it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess that one. Is not going to work. I yeah. still think it's funny. You got to wa- almost have to watch out if you think something's super funny because it's <laughs> yeah. probably so specific to you. Yeah. Right. You got to uh, kill your darlings. Yeah. I think the saying goes where just the things that, yeah, the things that you are just your absolute favorite, probably nobody else is going to get them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was thinking about your event mm-hmm. um, I, I, and I would describe your event or at least the one that I've been to mm-hmm. and then I've seen pictures. Um, of your other ones, it seems more intimate. Um, it seems more. So in that article back in October, I think it Mm -hmm. was, they described, uh, what we do as more as chaotic. I didn't like, I didn't like the word chaotic. I like the word irreverent uh, for us. Um, but chaotic does work. I mean, uh, the way I've always described it is we are more like a giant family that gets together Mm -hmm. to have a meal and everybody's got a story. So somebody's going to tell this story and somebody might interrupt and be like, Oh, what about this part to that Uh story? And, um, we all just take turns where I, the, the one that I went to, uh, for you guys, it really was more organized, which, which is, was awesome. Um, but like what, so at the at the beginning of of this, you just you said it's a little bit of a different format. Why do you think you guys stay more towards that format? Um, so you know, like we do a winner, uh-huh. you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I'm just curious why you guys would uh, not not that I'm I don't want to imply that there's anything wrong with it, no. but I'm, I'm curious why stay away from that kind of thing. Why choose the path you go down? Sure. Um, so uh, personally. So two things, two reasons, I think. Personally, uh, one of the things that I loved when I started coming was, uh, you know, we were in this uh, large living room of a co-op, but still like a pretty small room and we were packed in there and uh, it it was just like, that was the focus, was the storyteller. And so uh, um, everybody was paying very close attention. But on top of that, it was the first time I had ever ever experienced um, real audience participation. Hmm. You know, you'll see it. Um, we I would we I had tried it. I don't know how many times or and seen it tried 
while I had been um, doing uh, improvising, and uh, you've seen it like people bands pull fans up on stage, yeah. and it always feels forced. Like <laughs> th- those fans on stage, you know, they're having an awesome time. They're yeah. having an incredible time. They're losing their minds, but for the rest of us. Like they're just getting in the way. Yep. Most of I'm not the time, here to see that guy, right? Yeah. Who's this guy? Right? Yeah. Uh, he's wearing the band's T-shirt. Right? <laughs> um, but but uh, there was something that kind of hit me. There, sitting there, listening to people, and you didn't know who was going to come out of the audience and yeah. just tell this story, right? Just uh, present it and lay it out to the audience. And suddenly I felt like, um, it was totally permeable, the audience and the performer. And it was the first time I had ever felt that in my life. Yeah. So I wanted to, uh, I definitely wanted to protect that. And then, um, on top of that is just after hearing the oral history from Anna and how this started as, um, like friends like yeah. this this uh the sharing story started a friendship and then that friendship uh gave rise to madison storytellers yeah and i always want to keep that feel to it to stay uh you know true to that uh, that history that totally we have yeah yeah um i the crowd participation thing is is really huge for us mm-hmm. too like i mean obviously any any storytelling thing is is huge on that yeah. um I I, uh, I don't like um, I don't I like the moth, mm-hmm. but I don't like the format they have where it, where it's uh, tell us the story you're going to tell. We'll help you edit it down and yeah. perfect it. And like I like the rawness uh-huh. of hey, come up out of the crowd, sign up sure. tonight if you want to tell a yeah. story. Come up out of the crowd and and come up and tell something uh, because I think it's. Uh, you really get to know somebody. It's not this sure. this perfect, uh, you know, gem of a thing mm-hmm. that's being presented anymore. Um, I, I think in that article, uh, I, when I was talking to the reporter, she asked me why why I thought storytelling has become a big thing in Madison and also just all over the there. country. Yeah, uh, and and I I referred it to um, or back to the digital age mm-hmm. uh, where you're hearing podcasts, you're hearing people do cool things and talk about them online. Um, and I feel, I, I just feel like people want to be a part of it. They want to be a part sure. of something. And then, uh, um, I feel like when you're up there, when you're up telling a story, you've got like a direct line mm-hmm. with not just the audience as a whole, but like, I feel like individually, like you've got this direct line with this person, a direct line with that sure. person. And they just, the way I referred to it is people just want to be a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, the thing I find more and more in life is that people want to be heard and it's storytelling events like the, uh, like ours that, that really give people a chance to find their voice and then share their voice, yeah. which is really cool. Like, it's so cool to be a part of that. And like, we have this one guy that comes every week, mm-hmm. every month. And, um, he is, uh, in his sixties, he's, yeah. he's our oldest storyteller. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just, I've always gotten the vibe. His name is Tom. He's great. He's got great stories. And I've always gotten the vibe that coming to story slam is his escape. Uh, Not that he's got a bad life, not that he hates his life or anything, Mm -hmm. but it's his one time a month that he can come around and to people that don't even know him, tell stories and just really feel like he's contributing to art. Like, it's so weird to think that storytelling is art, but it is Mm because it's this thing that everybody does. But uh, in the bigger sense, I really feel like it is art. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Beyond just there being an art to it, yeah. Uh, there's so art, right? Is supposed to delve into uh, the human condition, mm-hmm. right, and illuminate that for us. Yeah. I actually just heard. I was reading something yesterday. I think it was the Thomas Pynchon, uh, maybe. And I talked about how art used to. Uh, art used to be up, like mm-hmm. it used to be about reaching the divine. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's and now we've kind of put that horizontal, and sure. it's about exploring outward. And I think definitely uh, stories are um, that right. That's definitely the human condition. Totally, that's what you're looking for. That's what's in those really good stories. Yeah, like the you were saying the um, that reminded me of the the guy. Who told that the last one? Uh, he came under the name uh, Tenacious B. Yeah, uh, I saw that I was on like, the website. Yeah, all right. And but the story he told uh, was really one about tenacity. He he told the story. Uh, he had um, gotten a disease where your bone marrow stops working. Yeah, and he beat that. Then he got a type of cancer, and he beat that. And then I think he got another type of cancer, and he beat that. And then uh, his wife died, and Jeez. he got over that. And then he got cancer again, and he beat that. And he was standing up there. He was a spry, a spry older guy. Uh, yeah. He was, like, happy, too, <laughs> right? And yeah. uh, just to, to get up there, right? And that, I, I was thinking, another thing about that, like, that's the first story he needed to tell. Totally. And he wants to come and uh, he actually wants to start organizing events at his house, but to like be like, this is, this is the first time I'm doing it in front of an audience, and this is the story I need to get out there. Like, I don't need to test the water and make people laugh, and, uh, you know, and um, feel really good about the laughter I'm getting, but yeah. I'm just going to tell this. And, the the feedback I'm going to need to get from the audience is direct eye contact, right? Sure. There's like the, uh, that's a difference too of those stories. Like if you tell a funny story, you're like, oh, you get laughter and and, and people are throwing their heads back or whatever. And but if you're telling um, one of those stories that uh, cuts a little closer to the bone. Uh, not that funny things can't, but he, like you're just looking for eye contact yeah. and understanding from the audience. Yeah, um, yeah, it's great. I I think what's really awesome um, is I've seen, even though our stories uh, tend to stay on the funny side, mm-hmm. uh, and this is going to sound so uber spiritual uh, and and new agey, sure. but I've seen healing uh, yeah. happen through through storytelling where. Uh, we had uh, we had a theme that was like most embarrassing moment where uh-huh. like and you get up, if people are courageous enough to get up there and talk about their most yeah. embarrassing moment it could be really hard uh-huh. and um, and so like I saw people get up and and start telling their most embarrassing moment and it was just like you could see this weight lifted where they it, for them it was just like oh like this is no big deal yeah. everybody has embarrassing moments and like. This is not something that I have to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and suddenly I remember it and be like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Yeah. Well, if you out that stuff, uh, right, 
your embarrassment gets n- normalized. Yeah. That thing gets normalized. Uh, you're not uh, chewing on it inside of you, yeah. some little core that uh, keeps you up at night. You're yeah. just throwing it out there. And uh, when nobody else, like, you don't see anybody else chew on it the way you do. You're like, sure. oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm everybody, okay. everybody has those things in, in their life and in their past, mm-hmm. uh, typically from those awkward adolescent years. Yeah. Um, where they're, <laughs> they're like, uh, uh, they'll just be driving in their car to work and suddenly remember this thing that they did when they were 14. And, mm-hmm. and like, it's the biggest deal in the world to them in that moment when they remember yeah. it. Yeah. And, and then, but if you're really able to look at it from the outside, you're just like, Oh, who gives a shit? (laughs) (laughs) Well, at that point, right too, when you're younger, everything is high stakes. Yeah. Uh, It's like all life or death. And, and actually you're going to die. Yeah. Right. There's that potential. What's interesting is with people, people have a, there's a, um, some people remember things this way where it's just, Oh, that's a thing that happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Some people remember things as, and they relive it when they remember it. They yeah, relive yeah. those emotions. They relive the feelings they had, everything. Mm-hmm. I am one of those people. Sure. <laughs> I think about embarrassing times I had. And like I, when I think about those things, like I don't want anybody to see me because I, mm-hmm. I am embarrassed, even if I'm yeah. just thinking about it to myself. Yeah. There's a, I guess there's, there's probably two episodes in my life where I'm like, that's uh, I feel shame around those really, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and so those are ones that I like yeah. I relive, but otherwise in terms of embarrassment, I I pretty much manage to uh, diffuse that. Yeah, I think. I think I'm pretty I'm pretty good on the embarrassment front in the first place in terms sure. of like not not getting hit too hard by embarrassment. Yeah. I, I think uh, now I am, mm-hmm. but when I remember those adolescent sure. times that, because I really do, I just, excuse me, I get put right back into that, uh, that mindset of a 13 year old boy. Yeah. But now as an adult, like I'll do embarrassing things and be like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> you That's know, that great. just happened. Yeah. I wish I would have caught it on video. <laughs> um, so, uh, when is your next event? It's going to be on the 27th. Okay, 27th. Is that a Friday? Yeah, that's a Friday. That's the last Friday of the month, and we're going to have it here at Arboretum Co-Housing. Okay, on Aaron Street. Yeah, 1137 Aaron, and uh, um, we put out all the information. We'll have it on our our Facebook and everything. Yeah, I was looking today to see. That's why I texted you to to ask, but I was looking today to see if it was up, and I because I just yeah, normally it would be, but. we were looking for a venue for this one. There was a um, there was a competing event here on the twentieth, oh. and so uh, we're going to have it on the twenty seventh. And the theme is going to be uh, pets. Pets. Stories about your pets. pets. Did you did you have pets growing up, uh, or, or now do you have pets? I don't have pets now. Um, I have a, a son under two, so that's like <laughs> all I can take on. Uh, I had I had a couple dogs growing up. I had. Um, uh, like a Knowles for a little while. Oh, what? Uh, just little, the little green lizards. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, they, they're like brown when it's cold and green when the, when it's warm. Yeah. Um, my sisters, uh, killed mine. So, uh, yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Was, they're, they're was that traumatic? No. Uh, or were you past the weird. age of that being traumatic? Uh, I was probably still in that age, but they were like, 
so hard to connect with yeah. as a pet. You can't, you can't really connect with a tiny little, yeah, little lizard. I mean, they're interesting. The thing is, you you try to like feed them, and you think about how awesome it is to see snakes and lizards yeah. and stuff eat. But you put a bunch of food in there, and then they don't eat on command. Right? Yeah. They're not like dogs who eat whenever there's something in front of them. Yeah. So you just have to put food in there and then wait. And usually you get bored and leave. leave and yeah. so... Uh, I, we just came and one morning and the, and the lizard was like, uh, he looked like a, a plastic lizard. Sure. He was just like, <laughs> he lifted him up. He was already in like rigor mortis. Yeah. Gave him proper burial in the background and <laughs> backyard. So. Yeah. Uh, I had a science teacher in high school who had a snapping turtle in his room mm-hmm. that, that he had had. He had been at that school for 20 years and he got it like two years before uh, he started teaching. Yeah. There. Yeah. You know, turtles live forever. Mm hmm. And um, uh, a classmate of mine lived on a lake and caught this bass that was no more than two inches long. Yeah. And uh, illegally kept the bass mm-hmm. and brought it into school, yeah. into science class. And my teacher's name was Mr. Palmer. And uh, right at the beginning of class, this student was like, can we feed this to the snapping turtle? And Mr. Palmer was like, well, he's never had... Like, since I've had him, he's never had a live food. Like, it's just been yeah. turtle flakes. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. In the, in the name of science, let's feed this uh-huh. turtle this thing. So it's this live bass that we yeah. put in an aquarium with a turtle. We didn't learn anything that day. Yeah. We, <laughs> a class of 30 people huddled around this tiny little aquarium yeah. to watch this turtle try and get this bass. And the bell rings, and, and Mr. Palmer's like, we're all staying. I will write you excuses <laughs> for your next class. Yeah. We're staying until he gets this. And like five minutes after the bell rang, the turtle finally connected and got it. And like it, we just erupted. We're like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, it was like the gladiator times. It was like um, Roman Colosseum. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, you just were watching that turtle to make you forget about all the bad things in your life. That's right. That's right. As a sixteen-year-old kid. Yeah. Yeah. As the as the empire crumbled around you. Yeah. I had cats growing up. Uh huh. Didn't didn't have um, many pets, and then. Um, we got a dog when I was in like second grade. Sure. And uh, name was Chase. We got him from the Dane County Humane Society, yeah. which is a great service. Uh-huh. Um, he was huge. We got him home, and that night he like just like flexed his neck and broke his collar, like ripped <laughs> yeah. through yeah, a cloth yeah. collar, sure. a brand new collar. Uh-huh. And um, my mom tried to take him for a walk, and and like the dog just like drug her down the road. Uh-huh. And my parents came home like later that night. They're talking. They're like, "We can't have this dog. Like we've got kids who are <laughs> yeah. all under the age of twelve. Right? Like nobody's gonna be able to take care of this dog." So they took him back the next morning. Yeah. So we had a dog for nine, ten hours. I think they give you like a week. Uh, really? A week trial period. Yeah. My wife and I got a dog from the Mean Society, Tucker. Yeah. And. Um, he was, we got him because he was super chill. Sure. Right at the place. And, uh. It's because they give him sedatives. Yeah. At the place. No, because he was <laughs> grossly overweight. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like he had been owned by a couple people. The, his life story was sad, right? It was, um, some people owned him and they had to give him away because they were going to prison. <laughs> and so an old As woman, you do. Yeah. Yeah. I can't bring your pets with you. Yeah. Uh, hard to smuggle in. Um, an old woman, an old man adopted him. 
uh, together and the, it was kind of the guy's dog and sure. he got sick and so couldn't take care of him and his wife was busy taking care of her husband and she felt bad she couldn't take care of the dog yeah beagles love food she like fed him until he was morbidly obese so we got him and my wife and i are pretty active in terms of like walking and so he started to lose weight he was still fat yeah but he had huge amounts of energy then and we lived on the th- on a, like a third floor apartment yeah and he would run around the house and you would, it felt like the house was swaying a little just sure. as he was throwing his weight around yeah <laughs> uh, it, it didn't it didn't end well with him he had some separation anxiety too yeah um yeah, uh, I've, I've, that was my third dog, and it's never really ended well <laughs> with it, with any of those dogs. I mean, that's I, good. Yeah, I think that's that's what pets teach you. Does it ever end well with pets? With dogs, and specifically though, like I mean, no, nobody was like, oh, cats either, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, man. Oh, well, you know what? I uh, my cat yeah. that I had growing up, Molly. Uh-huh. We had we had Molly and Maxie. Sure. Uh, Max liked being outside, so we would uh, put a like a rope on him or whatever yeah. and let him outside. And I remember one time, at being three years old, I was walking outside, and Max was taunting this bird, this yeah. robin. Uh-huh. and Because the robin's nest was somewhere around uh, our yard. Yeah. And this bird kept dive-bombing at the cat. Mm-hmm. And in one, at one point, the bird swooped down, and Max, without even really looking, just reached up and grabbed it yeah. and bit it and killed it. And as it, right in front of me, right as I'm walking by, yeah. and as a three-year-old child, it yeah. was traumatizing. Sure. Uh, but then my cat was Molly, and Molly loved me, and I loved her. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was like, I remember any time I was sad, Molly would come to my room and and whatever yeah i I don't know i i believe that there was like an emotional connection Uh there like she could read it but maybe i'm crazy but yeah she lived till she was like 20 Uh and was just in bad shape and i remember none of uh no one in my family had the guts to take her in like we just couldn't do it we all Uh loved her so then finally my big brother stepped up and was like well i'll do it so he comes over and He's like, well, I'm here for Molly. I was like, okay, I'll, since she's my cat, I'm going to carry her out to the car for you. Right. She hated being outside. Yeah. So as soon as we stepped outside, it was, she's freaking out. And and then she uh, she bit me and she scratched me uh, really badly. And uh, I had the car door open at, the, at that point and I just threw her in. And I said, yeah. fine, you bitch, go die. <laughs> And it was like the last thing I said to this yeah. cat that I had always loved. <laughs> she was uh, she was helping you get over. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it was her one last selfless act. It's, it's like all those wild animal movies where at the end the kid falls in love with the wild animal and realizes he can't keep the wild animal because somebody's going to like uh, poach the cheetah or you know kill the wolf. Yeah, and so they take him and they try to get him to go into the woods. Yeah, and so they're just throwing rocks. And they're yeah. like, "I don't love you get anymore. Get out of here!" Right? It's like the end of Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. <laughs> like, not enough people know about that movie. I have found really. I love that movie. I feel like John Lithgow's in that. I feel like everybody should know about it, right? You know, uh, actor. <laughs> I mean, I don't know because uh, I have a lot of friends who, if I'm like, "Oh, it's like Harry and the Hendersons," are like, "Yeah, but." 
What's right. that? Yeah. And then, like, if, even if I really explain it, they're, they're still like, yeah. I, you I've didn't see the that. movie about the Bigfoot? Right? <laughs> like, the friendly Bigfoot? Who, I have a friend whose dad is <laughs> looks just like Harry <laughs> from Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of frightening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so our next theme yeah. is, uh, those are my, my pet stories. Uh-huh. Um, our next theme is childhood memories sure. on, on March 21st at the Wilmar Center. Yeah. Uh, have you got any childhood memories you care to share? Oh, I was just remembering this one. I was talking to a woman in the community um, about her son who's at the age now where uh, he can't wear a hat anymore. Do you remember that? Like all of a sudden you Like a winter school? hat? You yeah. Mean? Yeah, yeah. And then I remember like, that. All the boys just stopped wearing hats. And nobody ever was like, oh, you loser, you're wearing a hat. But just nobody was wearing do you hats. Think, do you think that that's about uh, styling your hair? Like no. they finally found gel? I, I don't Maybe. know what it was for me, but I remember that stage of, you know what, I'm too cool for a hat now. I definitely I definitely saw that other people were not wearing hats. Yeah. And was like, <laughs> I need to stop wearing a hat. And then my mom said, well... You need to wear something, so here's a headband. Mm-hmm. And I wore that for a while, which was probably worse. Like the winter headband. <laughs> yeah. But then you're, uh, like, I felt like, I don't know, just in my head, I was like, it's it's that the top of your head is covered. You yeah. just can't have the top of your head covered. Mm-hmm. So you can put this donut around your head, <laughs> and you're you're okay in, like, the cool headgear department. Yeah. But that got me thinking about um, then. So I spent... Uh, most of my school time was in the 90s, mm-hmm. and so starter jackets became oh, really yeah. big. What, what was your team? Um, I didn't have a team. I didn't care about sports. Yeah. But uh, so the ones that were popular for guys, the ones I remember everybody having was like Georgetown Hoyas. Yeah. Right? Like the, the big mean bulldog on it. Yep. And... Um, uh, no, you're talking about the jackets that like zipped halfway down, right? No, these are like, full winter ones. But okay, there. So there are there were those too. Starter did make. I mean, those they too. were like they were like the, the ones I'm talking about were oh, winter no, you're jackets. Right, you're right, and, and they, they were the puffy and they had the big pocket in front. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the only one I can remember off the top of my head was. Uh, my friend Dave Coppa had a UNLV, and that's the only person I've ever seen have a UNLV starter Anything. jacket. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So I, I was begging for a starter jacket, but I didn't give any guidance, which is pretty unusual. Like I didn't normally beg for things. I just think I felt like, all right, I have a hard enough time in middle school as it is. Yeah, This will make it... This is one so less much thing. Easier. Well, this is one less thing that I can get. Uh, hey, I hear you. I think yeah. everybody's had that right. article of clothing in, in middle school and high school. under four. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I was asking for it kind of a lot. It, it must have been because one day I wake up and there's just a, there's a starter jacket uh, over the, the chair in my bedroom. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then the <laughs> sudden feeling of dread hit me because first of all it was a spring jacket yep second of all um it was the charlotte hornets which is is the girl's jacket like that was the starter jacket that is, so guys have a few different ones sure but girls i think my brother had, had the charlotte hornets the Char- one. right like the white <laughs> and the purple and the turquoise, the turquoise yeah which are all great colors yeah uh, but it was just like claimed by girls and if there was one thing in middle school that was worst 
than not having a starter jacket. It would be having a girl's starter jacket. And yeah. so I went and I, uh, the first thing in the morning, I'd tell my mom, thank you very much. I'm really appreciative, but you need to take this back. <laughs> because, because I cannot. How old were you? Oh, I was, it was sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I can't do this jacket. I just can't. I really appreciate it. And I think I even was brave enough to say, this is why. Like, this is a, is a girl's jacket and uh, I just can't do it. And I think that probably... Um, that reasoning probably didn't sit well with my mom. <laughs> yeah. She seems like a person who uh, would be like, what? Girl's jacket. What are you talking about? Yeah. And uh, and thinking now, like, in high school, uh, at least on two different occasions, I wore a skirt to school. Uh, and But I was worried about wearing a, yeah. a, a girl's starter isn't, jacket. Isn't the... the the difference between a seventh grader brain and a yeah. sophomore brain. Yeah. It, it's staggering. Those three years. Yeah. Those three years got me from not wearing a Charlotte Hornets jacket to wearing a skirt. Yeah. Um, around school. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I often find myself thinking about being 18 uh-huh. and, and being like, I'm an adult now. I was I'm yeah. at 18, you know, I'm, I'm an adult. Yeah. And, uh, and then at 21, Looking, seeing eighteen-year-olds then, and, and then looking back at myself as an eighteen-year-old, be like, I knew nothing. Yeah. And then I turned twenty-five, and I was like, twenty-one. I knew nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I'm I'm twenty-seven now, and I look back at twenty-five and be like, man, <laughs> you knew nothing. And yeah. I, I just, the older I get, the more I know that I know nothing. Uh huh. So sure, that's that's the first step to wisdom, right? Admitting you know nothing. Hopefully, I think, I think they said now that like uh, um, at least male brains don't really like solidify into their full adult brainhood until yeah. twenty eight. Yeah, so you still have another year. But they uh, say that adolescence, yeah, in, in uh, lasts till like twenty eight now. Yeah, Would, I actually talked about that with uh, one of my guests before, uh-huh. Jim Birkenstadt. It, sure, it was really interesting just to talk about it. And like, uh, we we talked about how like I'm twenty seven and. Mm-hmm. Don't have. Uh, I work part time at a pizza place, sure. and uh, and very. I'm married. Uh, on all yeah. accounts, I'm an adult. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, very often, I find myself going, "When am I going to grow up?" Well, like, mm-hmm. like not not like in a bad way. Like, hey, you got to grow up. But like, I just am curious. Like, when am I actually going to be an adult? Like, when does my right. life actually start? Right. Where is it? Is it a process or is it a uh, destination. Yeah, and we talked about how, um, like, my parents' generation. How, how old are you? I'm um, 32. 32. So our parents, are the same generation. Yeah. Um, they grew up faster because of whatever reason. I, and I and I posed the question: Do you think if it was is it because uh, adolescence ended uh, sooner? Like. Or, or did adolescence end sooner because it had to? Yeah. Because you were expected to be a grown-up or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It just, I think it ended sooner because you were expected, right? Like, at 18, uh, my dad's 18 birthday gift from his parents was luggage. Yeah. So he could move out, right? <laughs> See ya. Yeah. It was, it was you nice. know, and, and today, like, I, I, I lived with my dad till I was 26, uh-huh. you know? So yeah. I didn't, I didn't have to grow up. Sure. Not 26, maybe 25. I don't sure. remember. My wife and I were in Chile uh, one time. Uh, it was actually for our honeymoon. And 
it's really normal for dudes to live with their parents until they're they're pretty old yeah uh and they get married and uh so every time you went to a public space like a park or we went to like a botanical gardens uh the the area was just littered with uh, 20-somethings making out because they didn't, right? They didn't have a house to do it, so they just went to the parks. Yeah. And uh, that was their domain. And no shame. Right, no shame. Because everybody else is doing it. Right. You can't make out. It's more shameful to go home and make out in front of your mom than... For some people. Right. Yeah. I think we've all had those friends who probably... Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't bat an eye at that. Yeah. I, uh... I knew a guy in college whose mom was on that. He put his mom on that reality TV show where, where you like date my mom or something. It was really? Basically, if that wasn't the name, it, it could have been the name. Yeah. It was like, I feel like that was the opposite. Like, all right, mom, it's time for you to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know there was a show like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I just remember it briefly and I think only be. Because I saw the clip yeah. from this guy. It was it was when um, dating shows were like super blind date popular. And next yeah, and like on MTV, Fifth Wheel. Or Fifth whatever Wheel. It was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They drove him around in a bus. You know what the best uh, one of those shows was, and it, it wasn't a dating show, but it was it was birthed out of dating shows. Yeah. It was Cheaters. Did you ever catch cheaters? Uh, yeah, that's the one where the guy got stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listeners, if you're listening, look up, just go to YouTube and search yeah. cheaters stabbing. stabbing and it's, yeah. it's you probably uh, can just search cheaters and, and it Google would probably be the top auto top film. result, yeah. Which like there's a very specific sort of humor that I find hilarious, and that's um, putting something random into Google and finding out uh, letting it autofill. Yeah. What are the top five uh, things when yeah. I type in, how does yogurt? Yeah, how does yogurt? And then they, they fill it in yeah. for you. And uh, it's it's super specific. Because it's I, really I, funny. I, I, some, I wonder, um, and I think this is the case, is that they tune it in kind of based on your location. Yeah. That, you know, using your IP address, obviously, mm-hmm. other people with this IP address, this has been what the popular searches. Yeah. So you get to know how sick the people are in your community. Yeah. And they, they, I think somebody recently was be like, why is, and then you enter a state like, why is Wisconsin so, and then they fill it in. Yeah. And it's like, why is Wisconsin so underwater? Or, you know, like, just you, I think you get an idea of what other people think of <laughs> other states around you. Yeah. Right. Totally. Like why is Maine so covered in trees? <laughs> um, so I don't know how serious you want to talk about, uh, what happened last week, but I feel that this is our first podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, since, uh, um, Tony Robinson got mm-hmm. shot and I don't want to get too heavy myself, Sure, but I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't at least discuss, uh, yeah. to some extent about it. Um, just cause it's a huge thing in our community. I, I love being an, um, a Madisonian now, yeah. now that I moved here, uh, this past year. And, um, you know, it, it was a big thing that happened. Um, it's a, it's a tragic, uh, situation. Mm-hmm. I, I got, uh, not angry and uh, I think confused. I think that a lot of people are confused and, and have confusion sure. about how they're supposed to feel. Uh, I've had plenty of friends say things that um, that would offend people, mm-hmm. 
but I think it it doesn't come from a place of um, malice or what. It's it's just ignorance and confusion. Sure. Um, I I was confused about immediately there were pro- protests. Mm-hmm. It it came out that somebody got shot and people went down there to protest. Mm-hmm. And I was really confused about that, and and I and I still don't quite know how I feel about it. Sure. Because my opinion was, why don't we wait till we understand what happened and we have more facts? And because mm-hmm. um, at that point, all for all we knew, it was a justified shooting. And and I'm not even going to say right now that it was or wasn't. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, uh, I know your last event was at uh, Old Sugar. Yeah. And then we're we're at the Wilmar, so like we're both both of our events are a part of that community. Mm-hmm. And I I know for me I'm I'm a little uh, um unsure of how it's going to affect us next week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, at least for us because we're we're still in that community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to say about it really. Yeah, I I don't know. I think that. Uh uh, the protests are, um, I, I don't, I, I, you know, there has been a lot of, of commentary about protests being like a, a convoluted or a, um, uh, you know, manufactured response. But mm-hmm. I think uh, protests are a, an honest, emotional response. Yeah. And uh, f- for a lot of people, uh, that emotion also includes um, political strategy yeah. and, and, and life strategy, and, or you know, not even not political. I, I guess um, social strategy. Sure. So some social change they want to affect, and I think that um, if if people have an emotional response uh, or uh, an idea of how they want um, society to act and they want to pour out into the streets and let people know about that, uh, I'm, I'm really glad they're doing that. Yeah. Um, because uh, the more engaged people are, the, the more you... Uh, the the better we're all the better off we all are. I I, I really um, agree. I've I've participated in uh, some protests myself in the past uh, for various um, social justice and yeah. political reasons, and uh, and most of the times those are the same. And uh, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's uh, incredible the youth response. Really, totally, like this week Monday and Wednesday, there were just a lot of people out. Uh, coming out and organizing and and getting involved in their um, in their community for changes they want to see, uh, and uh, I think it's great if if the goal is to have less people shot. Uh, I'm always yeah, the go- and that is the goal to have fewer people shot. Totally, uh, especially black people in this case. I yeah I. I'm glad they're there and I love them for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, um, I think you're right. The, the youth response has been really cool to see. Uh, yeah. It sucks that it takes tragic events to, um, that it seems that it takes tragic events to, for people to come together. Yeah. Um, but like it, it's, I don't know. It's, it sucks. It sucks yeah. all the way around. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
there's not a lot to really say about it just because um, it sucks. Yeah. It's, it's uh, right. It, it's difficult anytime you have to um, examine your conceptions of your society and your world. Yeah. It's really hard work. And um, you want to say, listen, that didn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. That was like, that was, those were two individuals and, uh, and this is the, that resulted in, in this. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I think, uh, it's always, anytime somebody is empowered by society, uh, to make momentous decisions about anything, including life and death, uh, it's always good to examine those when they're, they're being made always. And, and it's everybody's right to question, uh, those, uh, those decisions that have been made. So I, I will say that, um, the Madison police department and just the city of Madison, their response to everything has been really positive, Mm -hmm. more positive than what was happening in Ferguson. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I I don't, I, I choose to believe that it's not a political thing the Mm -hmm. way that, uh, they're reacting to the situation. I I choose to believe that they, uh, very truly genuinely feel the things they're Mm -hmm. saying, that it is a tragedy that this should be looked at, that this needs to change. Um, I, the blog that the current police chief put up this week, mm-hmm. uh, on the, on the issue was, was really good. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I hope that the people who read it, um, read it with, uh, with an open heart. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's really easy to be angry about this and, and rightfully so be angry about it. Um, mm-hmm. but I just, I hope that, um, um, I, I want to use the word righteousness, but not like in a religious yeah. way, but yeah. I hope that righteousness prevails sure. through all of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine, right? He, uh, the police chief that, that night at one in the morning, right? That's the story I've heard that he was with Tony's family. Yeah. And I can't imagine that on either side. No. Just having to, to look each other in the eye of one person, seen as a representative of uh, the force that just uh, just killed your son or your grandson and the other um, just having to face people that you, you knew feel that way yeah. and to uh, to spend time with them yeah. I, I mean right if if anything is open-hearted to me it's it's right there um, yeah. that the power and balance between those two groups is incredible. And the fact that they met at all is, is good. Like that's, that's some sign that maybe something, uh, will happen. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. On to, uh, to things that aren't so heavy. Yeah. Uh, we do have to wrap up here really quick. All right. Uh, but, uh, at the end of every episode, I always ask my guest, who is the most interesting contact in their phone. And the way I phrase the question is that if I was walking down the street and found your phone and scrolled through your contacts, is there somebody in that list that I would go, Oh, well I've got to call this person. Oh, like do I have them labeled in a certain way? Well, no, I don't uh, take the question how you want. Sure. When I first asked my first guest, this, Uh his, his answer was Quincy Jones. 
Yeah. Because he had Quincy Jones's number. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've heard anything from, I've heard David Spade, Quincy Jones. I've heard mom. I've heard uh-huh. my friend Luke, who's a doctor. I, I've heard a lot of sure. things. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, I have one contact that's uh, famous in really limited circles, but I'm actually going to say uh, this this guy, uh, my um He was a professor of mine in undergrad, a philosophy professor, a really good... He's become a really good friend. Um, His name's Joe Tatey. Um, He's totally and utterly fascinating and and fun to be around. Uh, He... um, Well, he's a philosopher, so anytime you spend time with him, you're going to be talking a lot. And... uh, uh, he is always interested. Uh, he just brings like an interest and exuberance yeah. um, to to every conversation he has. He used to. He told me one time he used to play a game called Five Questions. Sure, but it, the way it was, it was just him playing. Nobody knew he was playing. But he would meet somebody, and for the first time, he would give himself. I don't know. It was like five to ten questions. I can't remember the number. To get them to start talking about something that they didn't normally talk about with strangers, yeah, and just like that outlook on life to to want to, um, ha- you know, find something, explore something with somebody that they didn't, you know, cut through small talk, which is fun and engaging, and, and uh, uh, but to get to something that. Uh, somebody usually doesn't explore and and to explore that with them. And I think it came from a really honest place of, I know it came from a really honest place of believing that uh, um, new information and insight can come from, from anybody. Yeah. He also, uh, he also performed uh, my wife and I, my wedding. And uh, so he's, he's really wrapped up in my life. Uh, I, that's definitely a contact that uh, that I, I go to is my go to contact. <laughs> yeah, the, the other way I've, I've often asked the question is like if you if you need to talk to somebody, who are you calling? Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like one of uh-huh. those kind of guys. Yeah, I, I just the the t- when I so Sarah and I knew that we didn't um, want to get married we wanted to get married but we didn't want to get married uh within we didn't have a church that we felt affiliated with sure so we were thinking of somebody we could ask you know to do the whole online thing and then work with us and um we couldn't think of anybody and then one day we're like what the heck are we thinking why (laughs) why wouldn't we ask uh why wouldn't we ask tady and uh so i called him up and i was like hey uh I, I'd really, I'd really like it if you um, performed our wedding. And he was just like, "What?" And then he started laughing. And so we were at, we were on Pinckney, and we were walking towards State Street down Gilman, and we walked all the way to State Street, and he laughed the entire time. That's funny. Just like roaring laughter. Yeah. And then he, he like dialed in and got super serious. And he's like, all right, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this, right? You're going to meet with me a bunch of times. We're going to talk about this and we're going to examine why you're doing this. Cause I'm <laughs> wow. not just going to like, put most friends I don't feel like it. would do that. Yeah. Most friends would be like, all right, sounds like a good yeah, time. Was, I'll just, I'll get signed up. Yeah. And, uh, and so we did, we met with him a bunch of times and, uh, 
It was great. It was it was fantastic. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. Cool. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's give your stuff uh, a plug here one more time. Oh yeah. <clears throat> uh, March twenty seventh. You said mm-hmm. is yes. your next uh, Madison Storyteller event. Yep. Um, and that is uh, the theme is pet stories. Pets. Right? Yeah. Pets. And uh, we, you, they can find you on Facebook, searching Madison Storytellers. Yeah. Uh, and, and that'll yeah. be the most up-to-date information, or will the website be? Um, the, the, for our events, you, the most up-to-date will be there. Will be on, Facebook. On Facebook, because we make an event. But otherwise, you, they can find you on www.madisonstorytellers.com. Yeah. And then, do sure. you Twitter or Instagram? Uh, we've just started, but it's, uh, so uh, they're all tied together, and it's, and uh, if you're going to the website uh you'll get the same stuff as yeah. you get on twitter or wherever and so uh you get to pick your uh, your preferred means yeah very cool all right and then for us uh march 21st that is yeah. next saturday the theme is childhood memories we are at the wilmar center on jennifer street um it is bring your own beer but just so you know uh we have uh carbon four sponsoring our event they have given us beer that we can give to you for free. We do encourage donations. All donations go towards paying our room fee and making Madison Story Slam better. And uh, I may have a few more tricks up my sleeve, so uh, look for that on Facebook, Madison Story Slam, uh, and then MadisonStorySlam.com. I'll be uh, updating the information on everything that's happening. Uh, my guest next week uh, will be Michelle Lee from uh, uh, News 3, Channel 3 News. Um, she is the 6 and 10 o'clock anchor. Uh, so look for that next week, probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. I think that is all I have. Uh, go show Madison Storytellers some love on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. And go to their events because they're really fun. I've been to them. It's always a good time. And uh, I think that's all I've got. So, Brendan, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Awesome. <laughs>